Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. It wasn't long ago that I was stuck in a soul-draining job, held back by fears and limiting beliefs that stopped me from following my purpose and making a positive impact in the world. Fast forward past many hours of inner work and lessons learned, I now write books and teach courses to help you find and follow your purpose too. I created the Lit Up Lightworker podcast to empower you with simple, actionable, step-by-step spiritual tools and practices to overcome what holds you back and light up the world. If you're a spiritual seeker yearning for a more soulful and purposeful life, you're in the right place. 
let's get started. Lightworker, welcome to another episode of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, let me remind you that when you get my book, Protect Your Light, a practical guide to energy protection, cleansing and cutting cords, you get a free workshop with it, the Psychic Scanning Online Workshop, during which I'll guide you to turn on your psychic vision and scan your body for all types of energy attacks so you can clear them. And you can go to protectyourlightbook.com to get all the details about that. Also, my previous book, Lightworkers Gotta Work, comes with the Life Purpose Bootcamp online workshop, during which I'll guide you to find your life purpose and define it in a very specific paragraph. And you can go to lightworkersgottawork.com to get all the details about that. Also, make sure to grab one of the free guides in the description of this episode that will help guide your spiritual journey. I have guides all about finding your purpose, developing your intuition, protecting your energy, and so much more. If you're enjoying this episode and my podcast, I would love for you to rate and subscribe. And let's get started with today's episode. Today, we're talking about healing ancestral or transgenerational trauma and conditioning. My childhood is filled with family stories of war, pain, and displacement. Although I personally haven't been a war victim, I live on an island that's still bleeding, both energetically and literally, from the 1974 war during which Turkey occupied the northern part of Cyprus. Now, I'm more concerned with the psychological and energetic repercussions of the matter and how this impacts future generations rather than with the politics of the mantra. You can Google that, you can find out about the politics of it. But let's talk about the energetics and the psychology. Have you heard of the term secondary trauma? This refers to the emotional and the psychological stress experienced by individuals who are indirectly exposed to traumatic experiences of others, often resulting from hearing about or working with those who have endured first-hand trauma. In addition, we have transgenerational trauma that involves the transmission of the emotional and psychological effects of trauma across generations, whereby descendants of the original trauma victims can exhibit symptoms and behaviors that stem from a traumatic event they did not directly experience. I first consciously realized that I was hindered by secondary and transgenerational trauma in my early 20s. Passionate about pursuing my purpose, launching my spiritual business, I constantly found myself feeling less than my peers and unworthy of success in general. And as I explored my triggers, I realized that many of my limiting beliefs resulted from deep-seated familial and ancestral traumas, from wounds and from conditioning. Determined to find freedom, I embarked on a long healing journey of identifying, releasing, and reprogramming my belief system. I used different healing modalities such as EFT, such as integral eye movement therapy, which is something that I do in my sessions with clients as well, and family constellations therapy. So today I feel blessed to have freed myself from a significant amount of ancestral conditioning and to be able to guide others to do the same through my psychic clearing sessions, my workshop. Specifically, I have a workshop called Ancestral Healing that you can check out in the show notes below. In this episode of the podcast, I chat with Minal Narayani and we discuss ways of healing transgenerational trauma and conditioning by working with the land and the spirituality of our ancestors. Specifically, in this episode, we talk about common threats of how postcolonial trauma manifests in the shape of 
shame, guilt, repressed sexuality, racial or cultural inferiority, inexplicable anxiety. We talk about the undigested experiences of our ancestors and the shamanic remedies for clearing them. We talk about the importance of working with the land we inhabit as well as the land to which we were born and the differences between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Once you're done listening to the episode, make sure to come within your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group. Let us know how you enjoyed it. Join the conversation there and enjoy this episode with Minal Narayane. Minal Narayane is a priestess of sacred alchemy devoted to the process of accelerating the mass awakening taking place on our planet at this extraordinary time through deep healing, remembering, and soul embodiment work. She serves a community of way showers and mystics with regular offerings in her temple of alchemy, weaving sound medicine, courses, trainings, and one-on-one mentoring for those seeking to awaken the full symphony of their being, heart, mind, body, and soul, and to fully reclaim their soul sovereignty and spiritual gifts. Minal, welcome to the Little Lightworker podcast. How are you? Hey, George. It's so lovely to be here. It's always such a pleasure spending time together. So thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here to chat about something that I've always wanted to chat. And whenever I bring it up in conversations, guests seem to avoid it. But you're like, let's talk about this. (laughs) I love this topic. Honestly, I'll let you get into it. But yeah, we're talking about spiritual colonization, the post-colonial wound, appropriation versus appreciation. So a few terms here that people may not be familiar with. So I'd like you to first define the terms so that we know exactly what we're talking about. So when you talk about the post-colonial wound, what do you mean? What is that? Well, the post-colonial wound applies to all mankind, basically, because if you look over history, we have been conquering each other's lands, we have been colonizing, and we have been in this paradigm that is crumbling, that is starting to crumble. And it's a paradigm that wasn't the way of the ancients. So as we come back to this place of more harmony, painfully slowly, albeit, it brings up these wounds that our ancestors experienced and we can go into it in terms of how it manifests. But essentially when we talk about post-colonial wounds, we are talking about the wounds of the ancestors, the undigested experiences and traumas that live on in our bones, in our genetic coding. And they apply to all people across all lands, all continents. And is it specific to countries that have been physically colonized by colonizers or not, or not just that? Generally speaking, it's it's speaking to all countries that have been participants in war, anywhere where countries have experienced displacement, the need for people to migrate, um, genocide. So it, it kind of includes, yes, those countries that have been directly colonized, but the byproduct of colonization of empire, which is war ultimately yeah and and we're we're shifting it and we're focusing it on spiritual colonization which is essentially how the colonizers by taking over certain uh, territories they've appropriated different parts they exploited them essentially and out of that exploitment they also exploited their spirituality and we hear a lot about the appropriation of Native American practices, for example, but this exists in many different scales all around the world with so many different countries. Like 
growing up in Cyprus, we are a colonized nation. We have been colonized for like since the ancient times. And I was thinking about this the other day. We have this collective trauma. Our ancestors have all been victimized and colonized for so many years. So we are all brought up correct, collectively thinking that we cannot make it in the world, for example. We have limiting beliefs and fears because we feel like we're colonized. So this is an example, essentially, of the outcome of the post-colonial wound, right? Can you share a little more, a few more examples, examples about it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love this. So first of all, I just want to say religion. Organized religion has been used as a vehicle, as we know, to basically help people claim political power in order to exploit the lands, in order to conquer the lands and extract what they needed. And it's a shame because a part of this process, systematic process over centuries, has resulted in so many indigenous peoples across all lands as, as you say Cyprus Greece these lands have had their own traditions the pagan traditions that are making a resurgence because all wisdom traditions speak to alchemy that is the basis of all all belief systems it's about alchem alchemizing our our experiences but also working with the land and that's why the land itself the earth itself is asking us to remember her ways and that's why people are leaning on things like plant medicine which I have that's a whole other podcast episode we can go into but what I will say is all plants are medicine and the land itself is the medicine. And that's why we are feeling that we're all, we're all feeling that call. And perhaps the portal of the uh, pandemic made us want to connect with the land. It drove us to stop and do that for that reason so that we can go back. Now, in terms of how it manifests, to answer your question, it can go from one multitude of experiences to another. And all of these, and I speak from uh, my own experiences, but from what I've witnessed working with clients, is that it shows up as inexplicable anxiety, shame, guilt, sexual repression, and a sense of I must prove myself or I must prove my worth in order to succeed, in order, which kind of speaks to what you touched on earlier. But also one of the biggest things is wealth consciousness and how it impacts this divide of those who are conquered, those who are gonna have things taken away from them, these very deep seated wounds that it doesn't matter how much belief clearing you do on your own, you can't go past it because true healing needs to happen on all levels, not just the subconscious mind, but what's actually held in our bones, what is encoded in our genetics that we cannot escape from. And that's where the ancestral work comes in. Yes, because we live in systems. We live in ancestral systems that we cannot escape. Yes, we can do as much healing as we want, but we're still subscribed to that energetic system and therefore work like uh, family constellations, for example, ancestral healing. They all work around um, dismantling this belief system that we've inherited from our ancestors such powerful work and i love that you talked about religion because it is such an instrumental factor and force in colonization essentially there are two types of religions we have natural religions the pagan earth-based spirituality religions of our ancestors and then founded religions and the founded religions they were created by a single person usually and a single person's experience of the divine one is 
accepting and one is dogmatic. And so therefore we have the pagan traditions that accepted all religions because paganism is based on the idea that we all have our own connection with the earth and therefore we can interpret that in whatever way we have we want to that's why different ancient cultures had different gods that essentially were the same thing but just in different forms and different names and different characteristics and then we have the founder religions that are dogmatic because they believe this is the all the one and only truth and therefore we need to expand and teach this truth and therefore they use that as pretext for colonization. And thankfully, we are at a time where things are shifting, <laughs> where we're becoming, first of all, more aware of that, and we do way more healing around that. But at the same time, people are coming back to Earth-based spirituality, which is amazing. I want to hear a little bit about your own personal journey. How were you personally affected by the post-colonial wound? And how mm. have you overcame that? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So there are some wounds, some patterns that I've worked with for decades. I've, and has um, these patterns have affected my parents that I've never been able to quite or I hadn't been able to quite decipher what it was that was holding me back. And I did all the work, did all the healing. I am a theta healer. So I did, you know, theta healing as a modality to instantly shift mindsets and all of that belief work, right? I did the somatic work to release all of this, but it just wouldn't go away. And that's where I was lucky enough to, to be guided by a master um, in this practice to go deeper and really face my demons. And some of my demons were certain characters in my family story and lineage that were demonized, that were ostracized for being eccentric, for being paganistic, let's say, or shamanic. I come from a shamanic lineage that has been denied for a very long time. And so for me personally, this showed up in a sense of not feeling worth. No matter what I did, I just didn't feel as worthy as, and in my case, it showed up as not being as worthy as white people because I am of Southeast Asian descent. Even though I was born in Africa and a lot of my family were in Africa. But this also adds to it because this is where I was, when I started pulling on that thread of why I never fit in, why I always felt like an outsider that had to prove herself, I started to realize that I am I'm a misfit. And but then it was actually my grandfather and my other grandfather, because you have to look at both paternal and maternal lights to decipher what these stories are, these energetic imprints are that are encoded in our experiences and our nervous system and, and our genetics. And so the more I did research, they all felt in some way that they didn't fit in because they came from India and then they went to Burma. And then because of the war, they then migrated 
to Africa and where they it was like the same story of trying to fit in and not having a community and when they did find a community it was based on a, a hodgepodge of people from different communities even if they did come from India. India is a massive massive country and culturally so diverse and so within that that's where I was like okay so it's not just mine this isn't even mine <laughs> and that's where I began to kind of you know do that work go deeper and a part of ancestral work is literally giving recognition acknowledging because there are certain earthbound ancestors that are still here they're not malevolent malevolent um but they are still here because they are they are caught in that energetic field um that we help release when you know we do the ceremonial work when we intentionally know how to honor them instead of oh you have this odd you know th these are classics that I, I uncover like you had this odd grandfather you had this on odd aunt and oh they were just weird and let's just not talk about them um so it's all of these things and then uh wealth consciousness is something that was very personal to me and my family over generations where the core belief was money comes and goes so of course money would come in millions and money would pour out millions right there wasn't this sense of we can we we have the capacity to grow wealth we are um again we are worthy of having the wealth and there was a lot of that attached because my great-grandfather was a multi-billionaire a self-made multi-billionaire and yet my grandfather spent that money and didn't really earn the money because he didn't feel worthy because he felt like an outcast so there are all of these narratives and it's really it boils down to the individual stories of our ancestors I also carried inexplicable anxiety and the, and the way it would show up would be me worrying constantly worrying about my loved ones and I realized through digging, through doing my own kind of research, that it came from the experiences of my nan, my mom's mom, who was in Burma when the war broke out and they had to go into shelters. They, you know, they were going to be bombed and there was this constant fear of losing. She also lost two children on the way as they were migrating on foot from Burma. And she lost two children that were born, two infants that she had to bury along the way. So that's a lot of also grief. So there are many patterns there. And the more I dug, the more I was like, well, this is the story of not just me, but of all humanity, because we've all been moving around and we've all been affected by displacement, war and grief. And so, yeah, so it's not just the story of one individual. It's the story of our collective that we must heal and it goes beyond ourselves. And that's my my mission now and my point that it's not just about the individual, it's about the lineage. Yeah, and it's, it makes you wonder and it makes you want to do research because so many times we just want to escape our past, escape our ancestors, escape our family. But this work allows you to really acknowledge them, bring them into the light. And by doing so, you're not just healing yourself, you're healing, as you said, the lineage. And uh, my own story, my ancestors, like my mom was in war when the Turks came and occupied. And she has fond memories of waking up in the morning and having to jump in a in a truck and, and be displaced and run away. And she was homeless for years. So I've grown up listening to those stories, hearing my grandfather and my grandmother tell me about all that. But at the same time, even if they told me nothing, as you said, the, the, the spiritual DNA <laughs> is communicated 
while I was born. And therefore, I, I am born with that collective wound that if it's not acknowledged, if we don't have these conversations, if we don't give them permission to express this themselves, meaning our ancestors, then we go on with fears and limiting beliefs that aren't ours, that are a result of the collective trauma that is still unhealed. And I want to reiterate this, the most powerful thing about doing this work and healing ancestral traumas is that we heal the lineage and therefore we heal our collective trauma, not just ourselves. I want to talk a little bit about the importance in working with the spirituality of our land, because I've personally found that I've trusted tried and I studied so many different spiritual modalities from different cultures around the world. And then I was led back to my Greek roots and therefore I eventually transitioned and um, became priest to Hellenic polytheism, which is the indigenous religion of ancient Greece and also Cyprus. Why is this important? And I want to share a little bit about why I think that, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Yeah, see, I feel there are there are layers to this. There's there's layers in terms of the life that we have in this incarnation and the lineage we have, the ancestral lineage in this incarnation and the one from previous lifetimes. So first I'll talk about this lifetime and this incarnation. The land itself holds every time the, the memory of both the pain, so the wars, the blood, the, the carnage, but also all of the ceremonies. So every time you hold ceremony, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but every time you honor the land, the land kind of almost encases that memory in a vessel, right? That then shoots up somewhere else. And so as earth stewardship requires us, requires of us, we must tend to the land. And that was the primal way of how our ancestors did it. And so we are the land because, uh, and I'll give you an example, the, the food that makes me the happiest, this is so funny, but it's not funny if you think about it. The food that makes me the happiest is a mango. Do you know why? Because it's the traditional fruit of where my ancestors came from because it carries. And when I, when I have like an Indian mango as opposed to like a Peruvian mango, it lights me up in different ways. And so that's a classic example. So, and that's why culture is so strongly connected to food. And, and that's how people connect because we're not just connecting to each other, we're connecting to the land. So yes, it's important to connect to the land of your ancestors. And sometimes, you know, if you are a bit kind of disconnected from your the culture of your lineage, even just visiting the city or town where your grandfather was born and walk around in some of those streets and even visit maybe an old family home some of us don't have the privilege of this one ancestral home you know others do but if you uncover certain photographs I mean one of my favorite books growing up I'm jumping around here a little bit but it's all it's all tied up together one of my favorite um, books growing up was La Casa de los Espíritus by Isabel yes. Allende House of Spirits and it's such a beautiful book which just helps you appreciate the imprint left by each individual that's ever lived in a space. And that's also why, um, you know, yes, religion, there are certain good things about religious, organized religions in that there are certain um, places of worship that, are, that have been revered and that exist and that have survived for thousands of years. And when you step foot into them, you feel the, the vibration of elevated prayers and emotions. And so, what my message here is connect to the land of your ancestors but also 
this is where I'm going to go into other lifetimes, connect to the land that you are held by now in this moment, because there's a reason that your soul has drawn you here. And there might be, you know, inexplicable reasons why you'd feel drawn to a certain culture or a certain place, but just follow that intuition within because your soul has lived many lifetimes, as we know, and it feels a draw to a certain time within its soul soul print where it's it connected to a certain land. And, and so that's that's my take on it. But I'm curious yeah. as well to hear yours. It's very similar. I also believe that we have energetic cords that, are, that cannot be broken, that connect us to the land we're born in and therefore to our culture, to our culture's land. And even if we're mixed race, multi-mixed race, then it's the different lands of our ancestors. But also we have energetic cords that link us to our past lives. For example, I have an obsession with Spain. <laughs> and for the past 15 years, I've been learning the language. And every single year I go to Spain and I stay there for a month. And I feel such a strong connection with, with the land there. And I, I have no ancestors that were from Spain, but I've had many past lives there. <laughs> and I've had many past life regressions where I, I experienced my life in Spain. So I honor that connection, but I also honor my country's connection because I have an equally strong cord to Greece and to Cyprus and to this part of the Mediterranean. So, and I found that when I connected to the spirituality of my land, everything shifted. Like on every single area of my life, things improved. My intuition got stronger. My things just fell into place. It was like a puzzle that I was missing the last piece. And then the, the pieces started coming together without me trying. And it was such a huge energetic aha moment that it was such a powerful practice. That's why I also encourage people to, if they're, even if they're not interested in their ancestor spirituality, at least give it a try. And because they may find that cord will ring <laughs> and will connect them and will strengthen. It may be dormant, but once you ring the cord, it wakes you up in ways you wouldn't have imagined. Now, shall we talk a little bit about cultural appropriation versus appreciation? Absolutely. This is the topic that people hate to talk about. So let's go there. <laughs> let's go there. But just, just before we do, there are two yes. things that just dropped in that I want to share. Um, yeah. when, you, when you were speaking there, it was just so beautiful. And I just want to say that it's like accessing the vaults of a bank when you, yes. when you connect to your ancestral land and lineage. And, and I also want to just honor that it's not easy for everyone because if you are adopted or if you just don't know, if you don't have a means of tracking down your family, just connect to whoever you feel closest to, that whoever you have that connection with and go from there. So I just yes. wanted to honor that. But yeah, let's get into appreciation and appropriation because it's it's such a hot topic what are the differences between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation first of all can you please define that uh, those Absolutely. terms for us so appreciation of a culture uh, or of a any spiritual lineage or process um tradition is following it with integrity humility and accepting that we are, we are still learning that we we because we weren't born into it it may not come naturally i also want to honor that again on another in another lifetime you may have been a shaman legit i've had yeah. lifetimes come back where i've experienced these things and so that's fine too 
But appreciation also is about appreciating the tradition in its entirety, not just taking the chunks that apply to you that you have experienced, but it's about being humble and saying, well, I want to study this. I want to go to the teachers, the, the, the wisdom keepers who know the nuances of how to deliver this, because in olden days, and I'll just talk about Vedanta and the tantric tradition, which is where yoga philosophy and asana practice, the physical aspect of yoga originated. It was a verbal oral tradition. So it was passed down from one master to another over decades. And it's a great time that we live in this time of information but it's also evolving into the age of synthesis, right? So it's no longer about what information you have access to because there's an abundance, an overwhelm of information, but it's about how it's synthesized and how it works together as an intact and revered tradition. And so when you are appreciating a culture, it's about coming at it with this humility and this hunger to really genuinely want to study it, want to embody it, not just mm, apply it to what you're doing so you can perhaps profit from it. Yes. And how about appropriation? How is that different? So that was kind of segueing into appropriation. Appropriation is just that. It's kind of just taking a piece of the puzzle and trying to fit it into whatever you're delivering with the mindset of, oh, it's, it's popular right now. It's spirituality du jour, so I will attract the people. And it's, it's, sometimes it's innocent as well. Sometimes it's like, oh, my God, I had this deep experience in ceremony. And it was, you know it was the shamanic uh, sound and I want to go and buy a drum and I'm going to do it myself at home. And yes, as, an, as a part of it, that is like, that's great because that's that primal aspect of us. Um, and our souls remember from being in ceremony and doing those things, but honor the tradition that it came from. Yes. Honor, honor the people that held that ceremony for you ask their permission and uh, and be curious as to how what goes behind it yes and I, I also believe that the key to shifting from appropriation to appreciation is education because when you take the time to educate your, yourself on the culture and on those practices then you first of all you get the full picture which allows you to use that process in a, in a deeper way but at the same time you show respect to the people who use that and who use that in the past. And being like an indigenous Greek, that's how I consider myself to be essentially, uh, because I practice the, the, the tradition and the religion of my ancestors. I often see, I mean, there are so many new age books out there talking about Greek goddesses specifically, and also the Greek gods as well. And it's not that the information in there is not accurate, but it's just part of the picture. <laughs> they are describing the goddesses, for example, from their mythological standpoint, Ares is the god of war. No, he's not. <laughs> Ares is the god of courage and bravery. And there are so many other virtues that he brings that were expressed in war due to the context at the time. So by simply taking a certain mythological perspective and using that to define a, a certain deity or just saying they're symbols or they are energies, which they are not just symbols and energies. They are the functions of the universe that is appropriation because you're not taking the time to study the whole culture 
and the whole religion and how the ancients really honored those gods and understood the gods, not how Christianity appropriated or distorted their perspective or just how we were taught uh, about the gods and goddesses via mythology, which is part of theology, but not the whole story. They're just allegories. They're metaphors. It's not the full story. I could go on and on. You can see how it's affecting me on a personal on a personal level. So because I witnessed that myself, I've gradually transitioned uh, away from appropriation because to be honest, because I lacked education when I was younger, I was using practices that I wasn't studying, but you live and learn. So now I take the time whenever I'm gonna use, for example, a Tibetan singing bowl, I, I've done my research. I know how it works. I study the culture and I educate myself. And I wanna encourage everyone to do this because A, it's fun. <laughs> B, it allows you to use that practice even more successfully and see it's the right respectful thing to do. Absolutely. I, you know, I just want to pull some of those threads a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's about having reverence. So if you're going to be doing a certain practice that doesn't come from your traditional culture, that's absolutely valid and fine. Just, just take the time to be humble and say, look, I don't know if I'm going to do this correct, but I'm coming at it with an open heart. I want to learn. So send me the right teachers, the right guides, the right tools to enable me in this process. And also there are a lot of weekend courses out there, right? Like become a sound healer with crystal bowls and all of this and do it in a weekend. And I mean, there's a place for everything, but if you genuinely want to go deep into something and you are conscious that you don't want to appropriate, then go on a slightly longer journey. Go with somebody who's really been embodying what it means. And and again, I just want to say about sound healing, it originates from the the shamanic traditions of using sound. It's not about sounding pretty. It's about using dissonant and harmonious frequencies that interact with our physical form our etheric body and so it's um it, it's it's meant to be raw it's not about refining the sound and, and and this can be applied to so much right like yeah let's talk about cacao for a minute right everybody's replacing them with cacao that is not how it's meant to be consumed it has a reverence it's meant to be used in ceremony it's been used in, you know, in community with elders, with reverence for the land, for the medicine of cacao. So if you're just having it every morning, you're diluting the reverence for it. So I think there are there are nuances, there are layers to this. And absolutely agree. Like there, there's a whole pantheon of other religions or traditions where the gods and goddesses have been appropriated or they have been pigeonholed. Like, you know, Tantra, Tantra is sex, great sex. You know, I mean, it's, yes, it is, but it's it's the movement of energy. It's energetics and and mastering energy. It's, It's what the Egyptians played with, right? It's that alchemy. And so when we go deep into something, we are looking at the myriad of what it covers, not just that tunnel vision that brought us into it. What a powerful conversation. That's a beautiful note to end our chat. Minal, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for A, doing this work and being so courageous to talk about these topics that so many people have avoided talking to me about. And I love uh, talking about um, how we can be more respectful towards pagan traditions and how we can allow the tradition and the spirituality of our ancestors to 
to resurface because that I think is the future of spirituality is coming back to the land, coming back to the earth. Can you please let everyone know where they can get in touch with you and how they can work with you? Absolutely. Um, so thank you, George, for having me, for having this conversation. I also just want to add that a part of honoring our ancestors is honoring our gifts as well. So if you have certain yes. gifts that come to us naturally, again, inquire, like, who do I get this from? And bring them forth. And so, yes, you can find me, connect with me over on Instagram. That's where I'm mostly active at Minal. That's M-I-N-A-L dot Narayani, N-A-R-A-Y-A-N-I. And you can connect with me on my, on my website as well, which is intuitsoulsalon.com. And all the links will be available in the show notes below. Minal, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before you go, make sure to grab your free workbook to find your life purpose at georgelizas.com forward slash life purpose. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.